Hello, and welcome to Conversations with Close, coming to you from the Great White North. I'm Michael Close. I'm glad to have you with us. On this podcast, you'll hear interviews with magicians from around the planet. I try to ask the questions designed to spark robust discussions, giving you information and insights you won't find anywhere else. If you enjoy these podcasts, I hope you'll stop by michaelclose.com and check out the products we have available. And now, let's get into today's podcast. Well, as luck would have it, as I finished up my interview with Tim Trono, I was walking out and saw a lonely Brit resting by himself, trying somehow desperately to get away from the limelight, and I dragged him over here to talk to him for a minute. Uh, My old pal Anthony Owen, how are you, man? Very well, my close. How are you? I'm well. can you give me, you have you have as long a CV as anybody I know, but do you want to talk a little bit about uh, the many projects that you have done, uh, television projects here in uh, the UK and elsewhere? Can you start back with some of the early ones and bump us up through sure. it? So, yeah, if we're talking about television, then um, my first magic consultancy gig, one of my earliest magic consultancy gigs was on a television show for the BBC called Stuff the White Rabbit. Uh, which John Lenahan hosted, and Jerry Sadowitz was on. I mean, the, the, the roll call of magicians that we booked for that show was, uh, you know, was it felt stellar then, and it feels even more stellar looking back yeah. on it. But you know, it's it you know, in, in many regards, it has what some people think are the definitive performances of Malika doing the cigarettes, Rene Levon doing the the crumbs and the oil and water. Has amazing Jonathan. Has Matt King. Has Williamson at his. His craziest that he's ever been allowed to be on television, um, and yeah, I'm sure I'm forgetting lots of great yeah. names. But uh, a wonderful show, Stuff the White Rabbit. So yeah, Stuff cool. the White Rabbit was you know was uh, kind of lucky first break that I sort of landed on my feet in terms of my first grown-up consultancy job, and then also around the same time, I wrote my first television format. Um, and I sent it to my childhood hero, Paul Daniels, and I thought, well, he's never gonna consider this. And he called me at my parents' home and said, oh, you know, uh, this is interesting, come and have dinner. Wow. And um, Mark Paul, my buddy and business partner at the time, we'd, um, we'd written this idea. And so, yeah, we went and had dinner with Paul and Debbie, and um, yeah, and this, this crazy idea that I wrote on the back of an envelope on a train journey home, um, to Milton Keynes from my day job as a Marvin's Magic Demonstrator, uh, wound up being built into a huge set in Studio One at the BBC. And yeah, I was probably 22, 23 years old, and that was, you know, another, yeah, I guess, you know, it's sort of luck and chance opportunity, but I think also it's, you know, you think, oh, why would Paul Daniels consider an idea from some kid magician that he probably thinks is annoying and then you think well I'll write it anyway and you send it and it works out who knows, wow there's know, a I guess there's know. a lesson right there so that's you know that's that's you know when people say to me how do I how do I how do I how do I I'm just like you just do it yeah, and you know and it's easier now than it was 25 years ago when I was trying to do it you know 25 years ago Mark and I and our business partners were paying Bob Hamilton to come and help us shoot pilots and you know and try and get on the telly and and those pilots got us in the door with John Fisher, who was making Best of Magic and Heroes of Magic. And, you know, they got us in the door with Paul Daniels, and they got me in the door with the BBC. And, you know, you just have to do it. 
you, know, you can either be one of those people who talks about it or you can be one of those people who does it. So, and now you can shoot it with the stuff in your phone. That's pocket. true. Yeah, you can, absolutely. You can shoot it on yeah, your absolutely. phone. And, you know, and YouTube, YouTube is a, uh, YouTube is the wild west because those anonymous comments, they, you know, they will tell you. And, but you know, you've got to develop a thick skin. If that's what you want to do, you've got to yeah. have a thick skin and you've got to listen to the feedback and you've got to filter the feedback. Right. Right, and right. but also you got to build a fan base and you got to listen to your fan base and find your fan base. So um, yeah, we're sort of meandering into other things, but those were kind of my first early things in television. And then I started working with a production company called Objective, and I and I quickly realised probably around the time I was knocking around the Paul Daniels shows that you know being a magic consultant is fine but actually the people who make the real choices and the people who have the control and as we all know with television magic shows you know you got to have control and usually it comes from the star so usually that comes from Penn and Teller or it comes from David Blaine or it comes from David Copperfield or it comes from Doug Henning or in the UK it comes from uh, from Paul Daniels or it comes from you know the, the, those, those you know the star has a level of control but right. they don't have total control and so, you know, I sort of realized it's like, okay, that guy over there, the producer and the director, they're the people who really have control here. And they listen to the consultants, you know, and Paul and Ali Bongo and the people who's like, okay, you know, they have a voice and they try to keep them happy. But ultimately, um, what I recognized and where I sort of felt like, you know, here's my opportunity was looking at people like John Fisher and Sebastian Cody, who was a magician filmmaker who made a series called Secret Cabaret, um, recognizing that those were the people with the real power, mm. in inverted commas. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, forget any work that I've done, but if you look at the work that John's done and Sebastian's done and Andrew O'Connor's done and those magicians who became producers, and Gary Roulette, um, yeah, it's, you know, it's the, it's the magicians, you know, and I've, I've been fortunate to be in an edit suite with Teller and have Teller's notes on my work with him. And, you know, it's just, you know, it's it's working with people like that and collaborating with people like that who together you can do great work because, as Teller says, uh, televised magic is the hardest form. Yeah, It's absolutely. the hardest thing to get right. And, uh, you know, it requires the subtlety and the intelligence that great close-up magic and great illusion and all great magic requires. Um, and because you're trying to break through that glass screen, it's even hard. Yeah. At uh, at breakfast this morning, Michael Weber and I were talking about Fool Us. And he said, you know, I, I don't know anybody. you got to be brave to do a card trick on television. And I said, in what way? He says, well, because of high-def TVs. He says, you know, Ascanio couldn't get away with his double lift now on a, on a high-def TV, something that is this is blown up to the size of a football field at four, you know, 4,000K. So uh, I, I hadn't thought about that. No, and in, in fact, Ali Bongo, who you know, Ali died, I don't know, five years ago oh, now? Yeah, yeah, more um, than that. Maybe more than that now. And in fact, I know it was eight years ago. And... Um, he, I remember when he was still on the Port Annual show, and he, you know, he heard high definition television is coming, and he said, "This is this is the end of television magic because, you know, you can't you can no longer just hide a trapdoor in a tabletop 
right. in a bar that Paul is standing at because when the close-up camera, if that's an HD camera and people are watching it on their HD TV, everything is visible. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, so then you're in a, you know, then you're in this ethical dilemma of, okay, so as the television magic producer, do you paint it out so people can't see it when they freeze it and they put it on YouTube and they go backwards and forwards scrolling to find the methods? Or do you leave it there and everybody sees it if they want to find it and they won't find it if they don't want to find it? Because, you know, I was one of those kids that had the David Copperfield specials and the Paul Daniel shows on VHS and I would record and go backwards and forwards and I would work out the trick. Sure. Because sure. the methods were there. Yes. Yes. Um, you know, even in a slow, snowy, fuzzy VHS tape or a yeah. Betamax tape in, back in the day. So, sure. you know, I think it's... I think, the th yeah, the thing that's changed is that, you know, we live in an interesting time, and so YouTube changes everything, because all of a sudden it's not an individual in their house with a video recorder going backwards and forwards trying to work out the methods. You've got the wisdom of crowds. You're putting that video clip on a, on a, on a community where you've got a 1,000 people underneath it. All figuring it out. All figuring it out. You know, and if David Devan or Houdini did a show and at the end of the show the curtain came down and someone came out on stage and go okay lights up everybody in the audience we're going to have a chat about how every trick was done every trick would get worked out by that audience yeah and not only that but here's video of every trick we just seen and we're going to go backwards and forwards until we can work it out yeah so it does change the game so the game has changed and magicians get really cross when television magicians do things which mean they can't steal the material or do things which they think are oh that's cheating on television but actually, Luke makes a really good argument that actually what some of those television magicians are doing, and we all know the ones who push the boundaries too far, and we all know the ones who are sort of within the acceptable gray area, is that they're protecting the secrets uh, so that the general populace can't discuss how the things are done. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and I think about, you know, my magical mentors as magic consultants like Ali Bongo and Patrick Page, who used to get very cross about anything that was, you know, Stuff happening out of shot, or stuff happening because the camera cut to a certain angle, or pre-show. Oh, in terms of playing fair with the people who are watching. Playing fair, in terms of playing fair. Yeah. You know, my rule's always been about real, real magicians doing real tricks for real people. But you know, there are smart, intelligent ways of doing that. So you know, you look at the work of David Burgloss on television, or you look at the work of Chan Canastra or Al Coran on television. Uh, you know, and I've got the tapes from the BBC and I've watched the recordings of some of those shows and I see the things that went on that aren't in the final cut yeah. and, you know, they're not a million miles away from some of the things that some people are doing right. now. Well, I remember as a kid watching the amazing Kreskin sure. on a show with a guy named Mike Douglas was the host and Mike Douglas loved Kreskin and Kreskin was on a lot and I didn't really know much about mental magic. And so consequently, when somebody had something that they brought from home, wrapped in an aluminum foil, tied in a box, and that Kreskin could tell them what that thing is, I mean, that trick bothered me for years until I finally found out what pre-show was. Mm -hmm. I mean, it just made me nuts. So, you know, on Fool Us, we have a very strict policy of not allowing that because there's a certain sense of playing fair with everybody. Sure. And, and also because it is a contest, 
you can't be doing something that happens before Penn and Teller put eyes on the trick. Sure. Everything that they see, yep. you know. Now if you they're going to judge it. They've got to judge it. They've got to be able to exactly. see what they're judging. So, uh, and no, a lot you can't, of you can't let one of the runners start ten meters ahead of the rest. Exactly of the right. <laughs> if you exactly have a right. Race, it's a race. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, I know you have work that you have to do, uh, but thank you for chatting for a few minutes. You're I know the, the boys. Uh, this is uh, Anthony Owen. He has a new book out called Secrets, and I can tell you that he's one of the cleverest people on the planet. So, uh, right after you're done buying my books, <laughs> pick up a copy of his. There was what was that trick? This is a collection of things that have been out. Is the the oil and water in there? Oil and water is the opening trick in the book. Okay. I can tell you that that trick fooled me pretty badly the first time I saw you do that. Thank you. Uh, Anthony Owen, a great guy. Thanks. Bye.